Well, it's good to, good to be in the Lord's house again this morning and good to try to, to come and, uh, and to preach out of, the, out of His Word. And this morning, if you've, got, uh, if you've got your Bibles and you would like to read along, we're going to be taking our lesson text today, our reading text from the book of Jude. And we're going to start in the 17th verse of Jude. And, uh, and this is the second week in a row that we've kind of been in some of these smaller, you know, some might say more, and it's purely because of the size of the book, I would say more obscure books, uh, but Jude is not an obscure book. The topic that's covered in Jude is a very important topic, and, uh, uh, and I believe uh, it's just as, as relevant today as it was when, uh, when the letter was written, when Jude wrote it. And so we're going to start with that 17th verse in Jude. Uh, and, and it's going to start with, uh, with a contrast. And so it's going to start with, uh, with a conjunction, which is but. And so I'm, I, I'm going to start there because, and I'm not going to cover what's before it. I will in my sermon. Um, but just know it's attached to the opposite of what it's going to come, what, what we're going to start with. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But be ye, be, be, but be ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, and keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And I would actually like to add to that one more verse, and that's the 24th verse. And it says, And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. And I'd like to stop with our reading text right there. I'd like to use... Uh, for a thought this morning, I would like to take it out of that 21st verse. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Because that's really a challenge, isn't it, in the day and the age that we live in with so much distractions that we have in the world. And that word that's translated there in that 21st verse, that first word that's translated as keep, um, that, I, that the, the Greek word of that, and I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and look at that, is uh, tereo. Uh, and, and what that word means is, uh, is in the sense of guarding yourselves and guarding against yourselves uh, and making sure that uh, that something doesn't come in and take away. Now, that's not talking about it in terms of uh, this is as a collective, right? He's writing this to a church who's allowed uh, un, un, uh, who's allowed lost people, in my opinion, and I would actually say more than lost people. They've allowed sinful men to come in uh, and uh, undermine the doctrines of the church. And so uh, that's why he begins the way he does here in the 17th verse uh, when he says, but beloved, remember the words which are spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time. Now I'd like to stop right there just for a moment and touch on that. When is the last time going to occur? John wrote and told us, didn't he? 
uh, in First in John, he said, uh, Beloved, it now is the last time <laughs> in the day and the age that we lived in. The last time began uh, with uh, the advent of Christ and uh, the law and the prophets were until Christ. <laughs> and so since that time is Jesus preached. And so we've been in the last days ever since then. Now, are we in the latter end of the last days? Well, yeah, it's been 2,000 years. I think we are getting close to that. But, but that whole idea can really be dependent upon what you're talking about in Scripture. It could be in Matthew chapter 24 when Jesus was talking about the last days for Jerusalem before judgment was poured out. It could be talking about the end of days, couldn't it? Before Christ comes back again. And so when you're reading that, uh, so much of that captures the imagination nowadays and people take that uh, and the, the prophets that exu- exist nowadays, and I don't use that word as a compliment, <laughs> they really prey on a lot of people uh, and lead a lot of people down the wrong path uh, using this imagery of the last days. Jude is writing here, and he's saying, guess what? These things have happened to you because you're in the last days, and they told you there would be mockers and scoffers. And folks, if you thought there were mockers and scoffers in the day of Jude, then Jude would probably be aghast at some of the things that go on nowadays. walking after their own ungodly lust. But you that are saved, you that are anointed, you that have had your sins covered and washed white as snow. And now if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know the Lord, there's a way for every person to get saved, and that's Christ. See, God loved the world. He sent His only begotten Son in the world so that you might not perish, but that you would have everlasting life. Now, I know I didn't quote that verbatim. I didn't mean to invoke quote it verbatim. That wasn't my intent. I want you to understand that the salvation of the Lord is personal. And that was the love of God that which motivated him before time existed to set a plan in place so that the creation which he was so fond of, being man, would have an avenue for redemption, something that sets us apart from the angels. Because when an angel falls, it's in that state forever. God knew man would fall. I don't think God wanted man to fall, but I think God knew man would fall uh, because if the angels which were in his presence fell, it only stood to reason that they would probably fall too. And so he set a plan in place before the foundation of the world that man, unlike the angels, would have a path to redemption. And that path to redemption is paved in the love of God. And that salvation of uh, Christ happens in love, even though we first and foremost feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit down in our soul. And so here uh, he writes and he says, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. 
Now, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's in chapter 3, that there is no other foundation than that which is laid, and that foundation upon which everything is constructed, if you're here and you're saved, is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation from which we can build upon and expect to see earth or see heavenly rewards, is there? But even upon that foundation, uh, that's only that rewards only if you build with gold and silver and precious stone, those things which when they're tried by fire, uh, come forth uh, purer than they were when they went in and more valuable and softer. See, those materials, they, they get their rigidity from the impurities. <laughs> and, the, and a Christian's no different. A Christian's no different because Paul lays out for us there in 1 Corinthians. He says, you can build upon the foundation of your faith uh, those things which when they're tried by the fire, uh, they, uh, they, they still exist after they're tried by fire first and foremost. So they're there for reward. He says, however, you may also try uh, build upon the foundation of your faith wood, hay, and stubble. These are not pure things. <laughs> and you know they're not pure things because like the impurities that are found in gold and silver and precious stone, uh, these things are consumed by fire when they're tried. But Paul goes on and says, but he's still saved. Why? Because of the foundation upon which he was building. That's not to say that God has given you just... He's, I'm sorry, I want to say this another way. That does not mean to say that God has given you the liberty. I guess this is one way I want to say this. This doesn't mean that, that Christ nor the gospel has given us the liberty to do those things which are unprofitable. God, even the Bible t tells us that the, the, the liberty which we are afforded in the gospel and in Jesus Christ is not supposed to be used as a cloak for maliciousness, meaning we're not supposed to be out there doing things that speak badly of Christ and above and beyond that that speak badly of our Heavenly Father, right? And so we're going to look into this for just a minute. But he says, keep yourselves in the love. See, the, the, all those impurities and all those things they, that come from the world, they cause that hardness to set in, doesn't it? And that hardness can set in on any of us. And we read about uh, how that Moses gave the children of Israel writing of divorcement. We spoke on that a little bit this morning, and we're not going to go down that path, but it sort of fits in here. Well, why did Moses give a writing of divorcement? And the Sadducees came, uh, and they were positing this question to the Lord. And the Lord said, the reason that Moses gave you a writing of divorcement, it wasn't because God endorsed it. It was because of the hardness of your hearts that God gave you a writing of divorcement. So we can sit and delude ourselves all day and pretend that the world has no effect on us, but the world definitely can have an effect on us. I believe it had an effect on Paul. He says, do you burn and I, and I burn not? <laughs> Paul, I believe Paul walked around and banging his head off a wall most of the time, sometimes with, with some of the things that he got faced with on a daily basis. And so we look here and he, this, uh, this verse of scripture in Jude where it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how do we do that? Well, 
Because a lot of people would look at that as saying, you're keeping your salvation. Well, no, the Lord keeps us. And that's why I went ahead down to the 24th verse in Jude and wanted to make sure that uh, we pointed that out. But it's Him that is able to keep you from falling. But nevertheless, we can fall out of the love of God, can't we? And this is a time of year when the idea that people are putting around the word love is not what God would have in mind as it pertains to love. It's a carnal version of love, which is really propagated in the day and the age that we live in, especially around this time of year. That's not to say that conjugal love between a man and a wife isn't endorsed by the Scriptures, and it is. The bed is undefiled. Marriage is honorable, and the bed is undefiled. But how do we stay in the love of God? Psalm 18 gives us a clue. I will love thee, O Lord. And I'm not going to read it verbatim. I want to list off the qualities and the reasons why the psalmist said that he loved the Lord. And this is the way that we really should view the Lord, isn't it? He should be our strength, our source of strength. Nothing should get us down because why? Because we've got a source of strength that's greater than the world could ever know. But I love the Lord. Why? Because He's my strength. And I love the Lord. Why? Because He's my rock. He's the foundation that we build upon, isn't He? And I've always, I've always looked at a, a lost person seeking the Lord like this. When you see somebody who is really convicted, and somebody who's really earnestly seeking the Lord for the salvation of their soul, I want to tell you right now that there is a construction at work, there's a, there's a practice or work of construction being had, and that is everything that that person had built their life upon, the foundation that their life rested on, everything that they had built up on that foundation, it all had to be torn down, doesn't it? In, other for a new, in, other, in order for a new foundation to be laid, and a new building to begin to be built. That all building had to go, didn't it? That's why when you read the, uh, the parable about the wise man who built his house on a rock and the foolish man which built his house on the sand, that's why he says great was the fall of that house. Why? Because it wasn't founded upon a solid rock, a firm foundation, was it? It wasn't founded upon the Lord. And the Lord is my rock. And the psalmist says that I will love the Lord because He is my rock. He's not just my rock, he's my fortress. Well, the world and Satan, who is the god of this world, will sling every fiery dart and arrow that he has at you. For what purpose? Boy, he wants you to get out of the love of God, doesn't he? See, he has no real power. He has no real authority. The only thing that he can do is try to move you off your spot. That's all he wants to do because then he's taken away every ounce of validity that you had in your profession of faith. 
And you say, well, why would he want to do that? Because he doesn't want you to be an influence that others might escape from his grasp. That's what he, that's, that's the only thing. See, he knows what his end is. He already knows it. And there's a term in warfare, and it's called collateral damage. And that's all that Satan's interested in, is he's interested in making sure that he has as much collateral damage that goes down with him as possible. God doesn't want any collateral damage. He's made a way whereby everyone can be saved. He's made uh, he set forth his son and given him a name which is above every name. And one day in the future, it's at the at, it's at that name that all the world will bow down and they'll confess, won't they? You are Lord of Lord. You are King of Kings. But until that day comes, this struggle continues to persist. But we got a fortress to run to, don't we? He's, we got a strong tower in the Lord Jesus Christ that we can go to whenever the fiery darts start being slung. And I will say this, unlike Jericho, that fortress will never fall. <laughs> but I love the Lord because He's my fortress. I love the Lord because He's my deliverer. And you say, well, what has He delivered me from? Well, if you're here and you're saved, He delivered you from sin. He didn't do it without you having to become accountable to it, though. You've got to be account, you're accountable to God for your sins and you have to understand that those sins are offensive to God and they're an affront to God. Why is that? Because God is holy and that is the standard by which we'll all be measured. Even those of us that are saved. That's why Paul didn't say just because you're saved that none of you will build upon the foundation of your faith with wood and hay and stubble. Of course you will. Because why? Because you'll be influenced by the world and the world will move you off your spot. And some impurities will creep in. Some impurities had crept into the church there Jude was writing to. And Jude said, you've got to get rid of these. You've got to purge out these impurities. To say it another way, Paul wrote, said, you've got to purge out the old leaven that you can be a new lump. Now, sometimes that, that, that may apply to us singularly, uh, as in the, the term phaluso, uh, which is another word that's oftentimes translated as the word keep. Uh, but that word is oftentimes associated with the gospel because the gospel is singularly and solely the thing that we should be using as a foundation and a guidestone for our lives. We should be looking to the Lord for every need. Because he's our deliverer. You ever had something happen and you just couldn't explain what happened? I've had plenty of times where that's happened in my life. Before I got saved, I didn't have an answer. After I got saved, the answer was really simple. It was because of the love and the grace of God. <laughs> We don't like to use that terms most of the time. We usually nowadays like to use something else and say, well, the doctors figured it out or this figured it out. If the doctors were able to figure it out, God allowed it. 
if the medicine worked, it's because God allowed it. There's plenty of people who get prescribed medicine all the time that's supposed to work in this instance, but for some reason it didn't work for this individual. Why is that? Well, Job told us why. Because thou shalt call and I shall answer. You see, as great as all the, the things that we have in the world to try to keep this body in pieces, uh, intact, in uh, operational, I guess, is a really good way of looking at it. With all the advancements that we've been permitted to have, that you know what? They can never, ever stop that soul leaving the body. They'll never be able to figure that one out. Because it's beyond the power of man to be able to do that. God said, if you want to stay in the love of God, do this. Fear not him which can destroy the body only and cannot destroy the soul, but rather fear him which can destroy both body and soul in hell. And that's who you need to fear. You want to stay in the love of God, you better realize that there's only one deliverer from that fate which Jesus said is worse than death. He can deliver you from it. And I love the Lord because He's my strength. And we've he, he comes back to that one, doesn't He? He reiterates that one. God is our sole source of strength. Jesus and the gospel, that's you need you need lifting up. Sit down, turn off the TV, turn off your phone, get away from everything, get down and pray and get with God and get in touch with God. Sit down and study and say, Lord, help me. <laughs> you see, Jude didn't write and say, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Well, he says that, but he says he doesn't say that. You, you solely alone by yourself have the power to build up yourself on your most holy faith. He also adds this, doesn't he? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, I tell you what, if you think you're not going to pray and that you're going to be okay as a Christian, you're going to, I got another thing for, I got another, I got some really bad news. You're going to find yourself outside of the love of God, aren't you? Because that's where we fellowship with God. We fellowship with God in prayer. We commune with Him in prayer. And, and, and it's in prayer that we get down and we really show God. We're His. Praying in the Holy Ghost. He, why? Because He's my strength in whom I will trust. He's my buckler. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower. And then the psalmist adds this in the third verse. He says, and I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And that's the scene that we read in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. I believe it's the fourth chapter. When the one who's worthy to loose the seals of the book that is sealed with seven seals, when he opens the book and they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and power and dominion forever and forever. 
Well, he was a lion of the tribe of Judah, but he, he stood there in heaven and opened that book as a lamb slain, didn't he? That's what the, the psalmist in the 18th division of the psalm says. The psalmist in the 116th division of the psalm said this. He said, I will love the Lord. And we just talked about prayer, didn't we? About the necessity of prayer. You want to stay in the love of God. Uh, here's what the psalmist in the 116th division of the psalm says. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. And my supplications. Isn't it good to know that you serve a God who you can pray to, and He hears you, and He answers it. The prophets of Baal cried all day long to their gods, seeking an answer, and they never got it. And all Elijah had to do was bow down and pray, and the, and the offering there that he offered the Lord was consumed by fire, wasn't it? Not just the meat, but also the wood. Not just the meat and the wood, but also the water that they were, that was poured on top of it, uh, and filled the trench they had dug around it. Every bit of it was consumed. Soon, wasn't it? Well, we got a we serve a powerful God. <laughs> Amen. We serve a mighty God. We serve a living God, don't we? That's the difference, isn't it? They're they're praying to gods of stone. We're praying to the true and living God. Well, that should keep you, that knowledge should keep you rooted and founded in the love of God at all times. He heard you when he was lost. He says, because he hath inclined my ear unto me, therefore shall I call upon him as long as I live. Well, I think sometimes the reason we find ourselves in trouble, I don't think, I know, Scripture bears this out time and time again. When we get high on the hog, as we used to say growing up, when we get in times of great prosperity, when we get in times where times are easy, you know, in those times we would love to say that in those times we're going to give the Lord praise and we're going to give Him honor and we're going to give Him glory, but that's just not the character and the makeup of man naturally. That is something that needs to be cultivated within ourselves because naturally when times are easy we just want to lay down, don't we? And do nothing. That or no, that's it. We begin to do nothing. Hear me out on this. What's the opposite of love? Well, you would say hate. I would argue no. But hate isn't the opposite of love. It is in this sense, because when you read about love and hate in the Scriptures, oftentimes what they're talking about is from a business standpoint, right? Uh, they would have a contract with somebody and they would say, I love him. But when they would break that contract and enter into contract with somebody else, they would say, now they would say, I hate him. Uh, that's not to say that they hated them personally. Uh, it's that they don't, uh, they no longer have any business to do with them. Well, here you look at this and you show me one time where the children of Israel ever made this statement, we hate the Lord, I can't find that that statement's ever uttered in there. It could be in there. I can't find where they ever said outwardly that they hated Him, but what they did in times of plenty was they just stopped worshiping the Lord. And they stopped keeping themselves in the love of God. And so then what happened? Then then that's when the that's when all the bad things crept in, wasn't it? Why? 
Because of the reasons that Jude's talking about, because they stopped keeping a guard. They stopped keeping watch over the things that were going on. And they allowed those things to come in. And when those things would come in, and it was idolatry that would always be allowed to come in, uh, and the same argument in my mind would have been made back then as it gets made today. Well, it's just business. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not. When, you, when you're justifying uh, doing things that God deems abominable and idolatry is something that is that, uh, something that God says ought not to be done, uh, something that violates the very law of God, uh, and realizing that we're under the law of grace, uh, but something that violates the law of God, which they were under then, uh, when you allow that to come in, well, you can be sure to bet there's some Philistines around the corner that God's ready to use to get you back in line. And you can say, well, man, that's a harsh God that we serve. No, that, that's a consuming fire that we serve that's God. And he said, you're either going to abide by the terms that I've set up before you or you're not. But God remembers the things that we do. The Hebrew writer told us that in the 6th chapter of Hebrews in the 10th verse. He says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. Boy, everything that we do in the Lord, I think it's those things. And I've talked to people that as they season and age, I'm going to put it that way, as they, as they get more seasoned. <laughs> I, I Look, I know who my crowd is here. I'm not going to say anything that's against. Don't look at me like that, because if you look at me like that, I get scared. <laughs> I'll tell you why later after church. But I've had people look at me and tell me that it's the things that they did for the Lord that are the things that hold the greatest value for them when they get older. You don't forget them. Boy, in the moment, it may seem burdensome, it may seem cumbersome, it may seem like too much, but I'm, once you get on the backside of it and you're looking back on it, and you think, man, that was such a great time that we had in the Lord then, wasn't it? Well, the, just think of, about today. Uh, so many of our brothers and our sisters in the Lord, they look back on the times that was, and they say, oh, it was so good back then. But folks, I'm telling you here today that the love of God has not changed as it was from back then to what it is today. That love is still a labor of love that we should be engaged in, and we shouldn't be afraid to say, Lord, use me. <laughs> Use me for your honor. Use me for your glory. Allow us to be able to use by you. Let your Holy Spirit be manifested in our presence that somebody here might come into contact with true holiness and that having that contact with true holiness have it manifested within their being that they're not holy. That's what happens when a sinner comes into contact with the Holy Spirit of God. They realize they're not holy. Now, we're not holy either in a sense that we're still waiting for that redemption of the body. But inwardly, you are sanctified. Inwardly, you're anointed. Inwardly, you are. 
And we're supposed to suppress the flesh and make it subservient to the will of the Spirit and not the other way around. And so here we continue on. He says, The Lord is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It's a really easy concept for us to stay in the love of God, isn't it? It's hard to execute sometimes. Sometimes it's not convenient. Jesus told us exactly what to do. Let your light shall shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You go and read the parable of the talents, and Jesus gave one ten talents, and He gave one five talents, and He gave another one talent. And the one who got ten, and the one who got five, they took those talents, and they brought ten and five other talents, didn't they? They they used those talents. You've got to use your salvation. You've got to use the grace of God. You've got to actually exercise it and put it into practice. So many times today, we oftentimes look at our salvation and we look at it as if it's this thing that exists, but it isn't real, even though we like to say it's real. Folks, use it. That's what Paul meant when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't mean that you have a part to play in getting saved. You don't. Salvation is of the Lord. He said, use it. that men may see it, that they may glorify your Father in heaven. That's what he's talking about. That's what he means. But remember how that, how that love of God manifests itself. Because I think a lot of times we have an idea of how we want it to manifest itself, but if it doesn't fit the way the Scriptures say that it should be manifested, then it's probably not God. How does it manifest? But the faith which worketh by love which is the fruit of the Spirit of is love. So the fruit of the Spirit, this is how the manifestation of it. For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. The, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Against such there is no law. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, The meek shall inherit the earth. And remember I talked about the impurities being burned away from gold. And we'll talk about gold and silver specifically. The impurities being burned away from gold and silver. And I've heard some Christians make the statement that it comes out and it's harder, but it's not. It's much softer. It's so soft that it can't even really be used for anything. I believe that's why only 18 karat gold is the max that can be used for jewelry so that it'll still hold its shape. It's so soft and so pliable. And Jesus said that it's the meek. 
It's those that the soft and the pliable. The meek shall inherit the earth. And so you want to keep yourself in the love of God. Well, if you if you fall outside of the bounds of the characteristics of God's love, then you probably need to get back to your spot, don't you? Satan's probably used somebody or something to move you off of it. We're going to close. I'm going to close with a... <clears throat> couple of the verses. I'm going to use Titus, Titus chapter 2 to close. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And what did Jesus tell us about that? He said, now is commanded all men everywhere to repent. Now what does that mean if you're here and you're lost? To repent. It means when you know that you're lost... That means you know that you don't meet up to God's specifications. Don't continue down that same ignorant path. Turn to the Lord to be saved. That's what it means to repent. It means to turn away from what you're going to. Turn to the Lord. And so uh, we see here, he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And how do we do that? And what is it that keeps us in the love of God as Christians? And Titus, uh, it tells us here in the book of Titus in the Bible, it says, looking for that blessed hope. What are you looking ahead to? Uh, we shouldn't be bogged down by the noise as God's children. We should be have our focus steadfastly on the Lord. He, why? Why should we be focused on Him? Well, we'll just go back because He's my strength and my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Uh, he's uh, uh, He is uh, in whom the one in whom I trust. Uh, he's my buckler and my high tower. He's all of these things, and so we should look to Him, shouldn't we? Instead of looking around the world and seeing everything crazy going on around us, we should know that there's an omnipotent one who's greater than all of that noise. He's greater than the prophet Jonah. He's greater than King Solomon, isn't he? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us that we might, He might redeem us from all iniquity, all impurities, all imperfections. When the Bible says be perfect, what it means is be complete, and what that really means is mature as a Christian. <laughs> you, could be, you could be 90 years old if you first get saved. You know what you are? You're a babe in Christ. That kind of goes contrary to what we think, but you're a babe in Christ. He gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The best way, the be, I think the best way to really show that you're in the love of God is that you, were, you really... You really possess that peculiar nature, don't you? That peculiarity is is there, and it is something to focus on. And uh, and so I want us to think about that, and and, and as we as we close, and, and we'll close just touching here.
with Jude. He says, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's what we wait for, isn't it? The hope, which is the redemption of the body. We want a body that matches the soul, don't we? <laughs> One day we'll have that. Look to the Lord. Look for Him. Look at Him for everything that you need. We need love to be without dissimulation, as we heard in our Sunday school text this morning. We need that to really be manifested from His people. We really need to show forth the love of God. And we can't do it if we've allowed the devil to move us away from the love of God. So that's our message this morning. Brother Williams, if you've got a song. If you're here today and you're lost, God so loved you that He sent Jesus. And salvation is a personal thing. That's something that we have to keep in mind. It is collective, but it's individual. It's personal. If you need to seek the Lord, come and seek Him while He may be found.